the other side of midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. We've been telling you about Flacco the Owl. This is the Eurasian Eagle Owl that escaped the Central Park Zoo early this month after his habitat was vandalized. I still don't know if they've done anything to find these vandals or if they're going to be able to get away with this because this is terrible. Now, initially, people were pretty concerned about Flacco's prospects for being able to survive in the wild because apparently when owls are kept in captivity and they're fed food by a human handler and things of that sort, they lose that sort of killer instinct to be able to find food as they would if they were living in the wild. Well, the news yesterday is that evidently Flacco, this owl, is going to be allowed to stay free for now. The zoo says it's putting on hold their efforts to recover Flacco, who's been very successful at hunting and consuming the abundant prey in the park. Quote, we're going to continue monitoring Flacco and his activities and to be prepared to resume recovery efforts if he shows any sign of difficulty or distress. That's what the zoo said in a statement. We will issue additional updates if there's a change in the eagle owl's status or our plans change. New Yorkers have been following Flacco's journey in person and online since his escape on February 2nd when some jerk cut the stainless steel mesh in his exhibit. He's been spotted in several locations around Upper Manhattan and on various tree branches around Central Park. The Manhattan Bird Alert Twitter feed helped Flacco watchers monitor him from afar. If you see Flacco as you're walking around Central Park, do be sure to try and grab a photo and uh, and send it to us. I'm glad he's doing well. I hope he keeps doing well. And I'm wishing Flacco the best. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, here's to the New York City Department of Sanitation and their inconsistent observance of certain holidays. And first, I am a big supporter of the men and women of the New York City Sanitation Department. It's a very tough job. It's a lot tougher than anything I'm doing. And I know we, I have a lot of friends on the job right now that are listening as they're working. So uh, a shout out to you. I remember a week ago it was Lincoln's birthday, a holiday that almost nobody celebrates except for some municipal workers in the state of New York. And I put out the garbage and the recycling as I do every Monday, which is kind of a time-consuming process. And I put it all out for them to take it on Monday, only to realize a little later sanitation wasn't coming on Monday because it was Lincoln's birthday. So uh, they came the next day, no harm done. So then on Sunday into Monday, as I'm getting through my normal routine at the time that I would normally start to to assemble the recycling and everything. My wife says, well, I know you don't have to do the recycling today because they're not coming for President's Day tomorrow. And that was a big relief to me because I was under the gun trying to get work done for the show. Lo and behold, I'm driving home Monday and I see a couple of people on my block have their garbage out. Most of them don't. A couple of people have garbage out and I'm thinking to myself, oh, gee, they must not realize it's President's Day. Sure enough, the sanitation people came yesterday 
and they took everybody's garbage. But I'd say at least half the households on our street didn't put out their garbage because they assumed because it was a holiday that the Department of Sanitation wasn't coming. Now, how can it be that they're taking off for Lincoln's birthday, but not President's Day? I mean, to me, President's Day is the bigger holiday. That should be the one that sanitation takes off for. Now our garage is just overflowing with both garbage and recyclables. Hopefully, whatever the next holiday is, I'll do a better job researching who's working and who's not in advance. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. It can be very frustrating when someone else has control over your money and you feel powerless to do anything about it. Such was the case for Gloria Montague and her cousin, Rose Montague. When 88-year-old Gloria Montague died in 2018, she left her Bronx condo her family jewelry collection, and her estate, valued together at $762,775 to her 78-year-old cousin, Rose Montague. Now, more than five years later, Rose is just now finding out how much the estate was worth and has yet to receive anything, even as nearly half of the money has already been spent by the Bronx public administrator, Matilda Barrios Sanchez. There have been so many instances of public administrators around the city wasting the money of the estates that they're supposed to be administering. The public administrator is supposed to be the administrator for the Widows and Orphans Court. There is no excuse for the fact that they've spent more than half the money. More than a quarter million dollars to date has gone to paying outside counsel, Bronx law firm Rodman and Campbell, as well as funeral expenses and fees for appraisers, brokers, and of course, the public administrator's own commission. According to a final judicial decree earlier this month, another $100,000 went to paying common charges and property taxes for the condo in the nearly three years it took the public administrator to sell it for $675,000. That was significantly less than the $750,000 that Gloria had paid in 2012 for the spacious two-bedroom apartment in Riverdale with a terrace overlooking the Hudson River. The public administrators are appointed by the surrogates court in all five boroughs to take control of the estates of New Yorkers who die without a will. They're not supposed to be eating up the estate when there's a clear beneficiary who could use that money. I think there needs to be wholesale reform of the public administrator system in this city. I think we need to maybe look at electing these public administrators because particularly in the Bronx where you recently had the county clerk go to jail as well. There seems to be a track record of both incompetence and corruption. And the real losers are people like 78-year-old Rose Montague. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I know people have strong issues on the question of legalizing marijuana, but in New York, more or less, the jury has spoken. And New Yorkers have said both in, through their elected representatives and in a lot of opinion polls 
that they are in favor of legalized recreational marijuana. Well, the law in New York was supposed to do something interesting. It was supposed to give the first right to open these marijuana dispensaries people that have been basically hurt by the marijuana laws, people that had been incarcerated for marijuana arrests and things like that. Well, what's happening now is just wild. Evidently, according to the New York Times, there was a typo in the text of a New York law, a bureaucratic mistake that no one has stepped forward to fix, and it's making it hard for people with old marijuana convictions to expunge their criminal records. Forget about opening up a marijuana shop. They can't even get their criminal records expunged. The omission of a single Roman numeral in the text of a state law has made it very difficult for those with certain convictions to clear their names. The New York Times profiles the case of Frederick Volkman, who said he hoped to work in the legal cannabis industry and also hoped that his drug charge does not hobble him professionally. But the omission of a single digit in the legalization legislation, the Roman numeral I, lowercase i, has precluded felons from filing a straightforward form to receive a conviction reduction. The mistake remains uncorrected. It's literally a typo. Everyone in Albany understands it's just a mistake and there's an easy way to fix it. The upshot is that instead of filing the form... Felons seeking conviction reductions must have a legal motion drafted and submitted in the county court where they were convicted. The DA's office that prosecuted the original crime can weigh in before the motion goes before the judge who imposed the conviction. But that is a lot of bureaucratic morass, all to achieve the same purpose, which is to expunge the conviction of someone that was convicted for using or possessing a material that is now legal in the state of New York. What is going on in the New York State Legislature? It seems like every week they sink to new depths of incompetence. Beam me up! To be continued.